All right, so ladies and gentlemen, we're back on the show, and today we're going to talk about business goals for 2015. Kind of Travis and myself, uh, we just got into 2015 all of it, so we're going to list our goals here, and uh, if we don't reach them, you guys can hold us accountable and all that jazz. So Travis, uh, what's going on? Well, first up, actually this Sunday, and I know you sent an email out about it, but this Sunday, last Sunday, I should say, we had a meetup in Los Angeles. It was really cool. It was kind of, it was semi last minute put together. And I think we had a total of 14 people show up. Just a blast. Like we, there was no, you know, it was just us talking and eating some dim sum. And it was cool because we got this big round table. So everyone got to kind of talk to everybody else and met a lot of really interesting people at it. Yeah, so the cool thing was that I believe it was you, uh, Jerry, and Jason from the Mastermind that wanted to just kind of meet up for a quick lunch, right? And then I was like, hey, wait a minute, let's just ask the whole email list if anyone else wants to go. And then we kind of had like 10 more people, a couple of DCers too, uh, but mostly people in the e-commerce space. It was actually just me and Jerry at first. And then I'm like, well, if I'm going to be driving down there, let's, you know, let's get Jason in. And then it just, it snowballed from there. And it was just so cool. Yeah, so what was it like seeing everyone? Because you, you're kind of new to podcasting. Was everyone like, wow, this is like Travis or what, what was that like for you? There was a little bit of it, but I kind of don't, I don't buy into it just because I know I'm not a big deal. So like there was a, at one point, someone that knew me from the DC, like went over and like, Hey, so I'm talking to these people around here and I guess you're kind of famous. And I'm like, I know I co-host a podcast with Terry and I think he actually knew you from the DC too. So it was kind of interesting. Yeah. But, but I think the cool thing was that, so when I sent that email list out, uh, someone in SF and I think New York asked me if there'll be meetups there. So I think moving forward, you guys are going to do this every month, right? At least in LA right now. Absolutely every month. I'd love to do it uh, twice a month and I'd love to eventually have it. So it's once a, once a month, like just us getting food, just hanging out. And then, you know, two weeks later or whatever, like halfway through the month, doing some kind of thing where we get someone to come and speak, but that's in the future. That's something down the road. No matter what though, once a month, I'd like to meet up with everybody and grab some, grab some food somewhere. Yeah, you know, what was cool is that when I went to one of these events myself the first time in like 2012, it was like, God, finally there's people that understand where I'm coming from. And I think that was the biggest thing rather than getting some takeaway. It was just like finding people that believed in what I believed in. Absolutely. I've said it a hundred times on here, but there's so many times that I want to talk about this kind of stuff with my friends. Uh, the first time I got a virtual assistant, I could not stop talking about it. My friends were seriously like, you need to shut up. And they actually told me that where when I tell that to people that are in the e-commerce space, they're like, that's so cool. They want to talk about it too. So there's something to be said about just having these conversations with other like-minded people. Yeah. So actually one of our goals this year is to have this in different cities, but we'll get into that. Uh, later in this episode so you got to stick around for the plan for that and how you can join a future meetup uh, every month moving forward but right now you guys are going to do every first sunday of every month every first sunday that's right and i'm not sure if we're going to stick with the same location i'm going to talk with the group see if we maybe want to go somewhere different or but every sunday for sure and we have a facebook group too so you can email me or I search it. The name is escaping me right now, but email me, Travis at store.com and I'll send you an invite to the Facebook group. All right. So Travis, number one, you're first. Uh, you, you had passive income. Ooh, that's this word kind of gives me the chills, but what did you mean by this? I mean, obviously there's a lot of different definitions. My feeling on passive is this idea that I don't need to work every day, that I can take a day off if I don't feel well or kind of relax uh, a little bit if I need to. And uh, it's there's kind of a loose definition around it. But my number is $200 a day. And truthfully, I'm on track to do it for February, the month of February. And I'd like 
I'd like $300 a month uh, starting the month of November. So we'll see how that goes, but that's my, that's my big goal. $300, uh, $300 a day for the month of November. But yeah, it's, it's pre-tax, but it's uh, like take-home money. You know, so maybe some of that money I do reinvest in the business. But the idea is, so basically uh, $600 a day profit for the business. That way, you know, half of it for my mom, half of it for me. And if we decide of that $600 a day profit, we reinvest 50%. I'm fine with that because at the end of the day, the business is a valuable thing that we could sell down the line if we needed to. Yeah, and there was a discussion in the DC about this. I don't know if you saw that thread. They were talking about it was an investing thread. And there was some argument where people were saying, do you reinvest in your business or do you take money off the table and like buy a house? And it was a pretty interesting perspective because I think some of the older guys were like, yes, you must take money off the table because otherwise like your work is never going to end if you don't take money off the table. We actually kind of earlier this year, we had a, a similar realization because I was spending a ton of money on PPC and just uh, all kinds of different things. And I decided let's just stick with the, the most profitable of the PPC, scale back a little bit. Let's... Uh, raise some of our prices and add shipping prices. And if it hurts sales a little bit, that's okay. But our, our profits higher. And the, the whole reason I was doing that is so instead of reinvesting in the business, it's like this idea of I need to take a little bit home. Yeah. And so on the counter side, uh, I think Ian from Tropical MBA was saying, look, uh, when you invest $1 in inventory, you're probably getting what 50 cents back, right? So what else can you invest in that can give you a better ROI too? If you think of like inventory as a stock, purchase yeah which does make sense too because then do, do you really buy a house but i think what that doesn't consider is that the time to make the inventory and to generate that sale into cash rather than something like a stock that pays you dividend or a house where you collect rental income there's some effort that's not kind of calculated into that too and i 100 agree with that but we were really pretty much doing 100 reinvestment in the business i think maybe we'd pay ourselves like $1,200 or enough just to feel like we weren't totally wasting our time, but it was pretty much hundred percent reinvestment in the business. So it would be nice to not be losing money every month, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think there's no right answer for this since everyone's business is at a different stage, but certainly you do want to pay yourself because why, why are we doing this if we're not paying ourselves? Yeah, exactly. very true. All right. So uh, I guess number two is me, uh, brand consolidation. So uh, like I said earlier in the last last episode, I'm going to move all the product brands under this new one called Downing Leather. Uh, so Downing, this name, I don't know if I told you, but we basically I wrote out a whole list of like five pages of just possible names. Wow. Oh, so I was actually reading Richard Branson's book, Losing My Virginia. I was, oh, well, a lot of cool names here, like where he had his studio, where he has his student record. So I just Googled like, hey, what are some famous streets in London? And so there was like Abbey Road, uh, Downing Street, like something Mulberry thing, something, something like that, whatever. And then Downing sounded pretty cool. So me and my roommate kind of hashed that out. We're like, hey, Downing sounds like a kind of legit kind of upscale brand that's, you know, not too snobby, but it has a cool ring to it. So... That's what we're going to go with. And then so once the wallets sell out, whenever they do, I'm just going to get a new stamp on it and then just roll it out under this. Name. I like it. Yeah, no, that's that's a really, really cool name. And I think that, that that actually answers a lot of my questions. I was going to ask you is how you came up with it. So Downing Street is actually where the prime minister lives. They live on an apartment called 10 Downing Street. And it's basically like this block in London. It's like the White House of England, basically. And if, if anyone is British and listening to this and I'm butchering this, please let me know. <laughs> so, so yeah, basically we're taking the ideas of that kind of like an upscale 
uh, proper type of thing, and we're gonna apply this to leather stuff. So, so what at what point are you planning on moving everything over, or is it like a, a process that's in, like currently being undertaken? Yeah, it's ongoing, but I think once the Kickstarter is done, whenever that is, and then that rolls into the main site, then everything will be wrapped under there. In the yeah, in the laptop, uh, it's a laptop sleeve. Is that the? Yeah, it's a laptop sleeve. Is And that's going to be branded as Downing Leather, or that's something different? Yeah, that'll be branded under Downing Leather, and then whenever that campaign's done, uh, the, we'll roll the wallets into that. Too. Gotcha. And are you going to use, uh, you showed me a logo. How is that coming along? It still has to do some work. So I, did I show you the one with the lion? Or Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think the- I thought that was cool. Yeah, the li- so the lion, if you look at 10 Downing Street, which is where the prime minister lives, they actually have a door knocker. That's just like brass lion oh. on a black door. It's actually really cool. It looks like a really badass lion. And so we're basically taking that, but we're putting it on a shield, kind of a reinventing that into something. Oh, that's new cool. Too. Yeah, I saw the logo and I thought that was really cool. I didn't realize it tied into the whole Downing Street thing as well. All right, so number three, uh, let's move on before we get into too many details here. Uh, number three, finance management for you. Yep. So one of the big things, and I've talked about this a lot in the last couple episodes, is that I really need to get my finances in order. And it's just kind of been a growing problem. And the biggest reason I want to really take care of this, there's actually a mul- many different reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is so I know what the actual profit is month to month. We kind of just guess every month, like we think it's about this and it, there's no real science to it. So that's one of the big reasons I want to get it down. The second one, is, yeah, is to know where I'm spending money because I, maybe I'm spending money in the wrong places. I don't know. Well, it's also key if you want to pay yourself $300 a day yes. passively. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, because we, I mean, right now we're just paying ourselves enough to survive basically and hoping that that doesn't put us in the red. But and so far it looks so, it looks good, but we don't have the exact numbers down. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you probably could pay yourself say 200 a day, but you don't know if that's actually, the money's actually, cash flow's actually. Yeah. We've completely approximated what our, uh, what our percentages are of profit. And I think they're fairly accurate, but I want to, I don't want to be fairly accurate. I want to treat this like a business and actually get the numbers down. Yeah. There was a guest I had, Brendan Tully, who has a site period e-commerce. He was like basically saying, look, like if you're serious, you need to be able to produce a P and L sheet like instantly of your business. Otherwise you're just kind of, moping on, which, which actually admitted I am doing that too. But I mean, it makes sense though. It's easier with some businesses than it is with others. And I think a lot of people listening to this might be like, oh, how do you not know your exact profits? Well, we have people that are producing our stuff and it might take them five minutes one day to do it. And it might take them 10 minutes the next day to do it. That comes out of our pocket. You know, there, there's a lot of room for error. They, they might accidentally cut you know, one thing by accident and have to throw that fabric away or blah, blah, blah. And I can, every month we can get an approximation. And I think it's trying to get as close of a, as close as possible without wasting a ton of effort, if that makes sense. Do you guys pay for materials as you go basically, or do you buy like a bulk material and then both? We, we sometimes, there's certain fabrics we'll buy the entire roll, which is a little bit cheaper. And there's certain fabrics where we just buy as we need it because we're still a, a young company and we don't have a lot of money just to buy stuff unless we know for sure it's going to sell. Yeah, there's like a catch-22 there because you don't really know what... And, this, and then if your order flows to like, say, 100K, then the dynamics of the sourcing change too, right? That's true too. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot. I think the amount of money that we save... Because right now we're going through a middleman, but the amount of money we'd save going direct is pretty small unless we're buying a ton of bolts of fabric, like 
So that's something we'll look at in the future, but I don't know. I don't know what, what that point is, and that's something I should probably learn more about. Yeah, one thing with agents I've realized is that if you have different products you need to source, like if you want to go direct, you need to find all these factories, do all these calls, have all these relationships, whereas like an agent kind of can just deal it for you, and they have their value, even though it's a cut, but it's probably worth the time of you doing that than like calling all these people, emailing all these people and yeah. figuring out all these people. And I think it'll be different too when we have a better grasp of exactly what fabrics are selling. Because I mean, for instance, the blacks are whites, you know, certain base colors. We probably could buy those in bulk and get a little bit of a discount. But the the other side of that is since we are still a new company, we don't want to have, you know, $100,000 worth of product or, you know, materials laying around. That's just not something we can float right now. Yeah, because the cash flow, you could probably better deploy it somewhere else too. Absolutely. Cool. And so I guess if you're going to nail your finances down, what's the first step you're going to take? Are you going to get like a bookkeeper or what's what's the plan? My plan is I signed up for zero and I still don't know if it's the best choice for me, but it seems pretty easy. It seems like QuickBooks might have been cheaper and that's a, but I don't know, zero seems like it's really friendly to use. So my plan is to, for the year of 2014, go through and do all of it myself and then starting for the year for 2015, this month, I'm gonna hire someone uh, off a off, off a website to be my bookkeeper. All right, so number four uh, for me, it's content strategy. So I think last year I didn't really figure this out uh, for ball of leather, and I think this year now I know it's gotta be the featuring customers like the way you've done because I've seen it work for you, and I also saw it worked really well for Taylor Swift. So I don't know if you saw that video I sent you. So basically, she uh, throughout the year she's been like stalking people that follow her on like Twitter, Tumblr, whatever. And then she would left like an emoji of a Santa face on them. And then what she did was she sent them Christmas presents uh, like without telling them uh, during Christmas. And she would like write them like huge cards, like, hey, congrats on your graduations, on your graduation, you know, hope this is going well. Uh, I saw you got into this new school, blah, blah, blah. Right? Like really, really personalized stuff. Kind of like what you were doing, featuring your customers, right? And I think one of the cool ones she did was she did like a surprise visit to this mom and her son or something like that. and. I think it's like the basically it's it was not about her it was all about the people she gave gifts to and then obviously you know they're gonna go crazy because they're gonna tell all their friends yeah absolutely and all their families like forever right like anyone that goes in the house like, oh my god look at this this is a gift from uh, Taylor Swift even though I don't know any song she sings but it was a really cool example of how you know you feature customers things like that too so I was thinking about you know for downing leather how would we do this would we do like a lifestyle guide where to shop and then you would feature boutiques. That would sell your so, stuff? Yeah, it could be a couple different things. Uh, when I was doing it, my big thought process is if I only had a thousand people that could buy from me, or you could even scale it back and like if there's only 10 people that like, you know, I could push a button and they'd be my customer, who would those 10 people be? And then like, I mean, so maybe for you it'd be, you know, Jay-Z or someone crazy like that. Scale it down a little bit. So maybe it would be uh, people that do blogs about fashion or whatever and yeah, it could also be boutique places too, things like that. And I, I don't have an exact answer for you, but it's like, who is your ideal customer? And so maybe boutiques would be good for you because at the end of the day, if you can get a boutique to buy your stuff from you, that'd be huge. Yeah, so you would be like a men's shopping guide and then you would feature different boutiques. Yeah, exactly. And you would tell them, hey, I, yeah, put exactly. you, I put you in my shopping guide for LA or SF. Yeah, or I'm still a big fan of the, the interview type format. or some, It doesn't even have to be an interview, but like a featured thing that they would feel like they want to link from their, uh, their page back to your page. Because that way, you know, people would come to their boutique website and be like, 
oh, they've also been featured in your blog. And as long as you make your blog look professional, it's like, wow, this boutique's pretty legit, you know? So it's like, hey, we, we like to feature a boutique list. Can you send us these five questions, answers about your store and some photos, and then we'll let you know when it's live, basically like that. Yeah, and I mean, I think sometimes in certain markets you might need to call. I'm lucky because there's so many dance studios that I can do it over email and the ones that don't respond there's so many that will respond that it's not even a problem, but worst case scenario, uh, pick up the phone and call them and I guarantee you'll get a ton of people. Yeah, there was someone in the DC that said they had an autoresponder built into their post-purchase sequence where they would ask customers, hey, you know, how's your product going? I know it's been two weeks, so I want to see how it's going. Uh, and by the way, uh, since you've bought from us, thank you. Is there anywhere that you shop locally that we can kind of get in touch with to kind of help us out and get our product in there too? And they would basically crowdsource a list of boutiques or like local B2B stuff. That's interesting. So I don't know if you can do that. You can probably do that too. Like, hey, where do you buy? Or where's your, what dance? Yeah, exactly. Like we're looking to feature dance studios. Where do you go to? And then you can kind of like make the snowball get bigger and bigger too. You know, and it's funny you brought this up because a uh, quick shout out to Scott Denton's. Apologies if I butchered the name, but he has a site called Dentavid. And I was talking back and forth with him. And I'm like, you know, an idea for you, and I know he listens to the podcast, so I was like, you know, I apologize if you've already thought about this and there's a reason you don't want to do it, but I'm like, you should think about having a blog where you feature pediatric dentists. And he's like, oh my God, you're right. You know, I've I've heard you talk about this on the podcast, but I never put two and two together. And I think with a lot of businesses, there's that potential, not all, there's obviously there's businesses where it just doesn't make sense, but I think a lot of businesses that that's just free content for you and hopefully backlinks. And I think the point is that you, you're not, the content creation isn't like say write a 2000 word article that's epic, right? Because that's really hard to do every week. You're just saying, hey, just let's just talk to this guy. And the thing is like they have the right traffic you're trying to get to also. You don't have to like make the article and then blast it on all your channels and hope people share it too. It's you're really just take for me, at least I take their answers, manipulate them a little bit. And I get people that write 1500 words back to me. I usually ask about seven questions and you can keep them pretty open ended. I'm like, you know, tell me about your dance studio in a minute or less. Like what, uh, what made you start a dance studio? Things like that. And people will talk a lot about themselves usually. Yeah. Cause the spotlight's not on you. Right. And I think it's great is you just, you just ask them, you can take the same questions and do it to different people and. It's not like writing, oh, what do I write about? What do I write, like 10 tips or like, uh, I, I hate doing that. So I, don't know, I, think that, I think that's why I failed earlier last year trying to figure out this content because I think, I, I think it's easy to think too hard about it when people tell you to write content, but actually this method makes a lot more sense in terms of like impact, time, resources involved and all that stuff too. Another thing for you, and I, I know I talked about this before, but like a top 10 boutiques, you know, you could do an article like that. Uh, I told you I did my top 50 dance studios, 20,000 people over, I think two or three days went to my blog. It's an insane like virality just from doing a top 50, you know? Yeah. And you could do it by the city too, like top 10 in New York, top 10 in LA, top 10 in SF. And you could just replicate this, like top 10 in Singapore, top 10 in Tokyo, and yeah, all that stuff too. And then the good thing with that is for SEO juice, if someone says uh, boutique in Los Angeles, it's like, oh, here's the top five. You know, yours is likely to come up because it's been shared so many times. There's already links to it. So definitely a good idea. Uh, so number five, improved margins and efficiency. For this one in particular, what I really want to do is get my margins to about 50%. And what I mean by that is if we make, if we have $50,000 in revenue, then $25,000 in profit. And 
I really enjoy marketing. I, I really love it. Like if I could do one thing for the rest of my life, it would probably be marketing. Now dealing with production is not one of my favorite things to do, but I find that I'm decently good at it because I'm all about efficiency and systemizing things. So by the end of this year, I'm hoping to get it to the point where it's so efficient that we can have 50% margins. Yeah, I feel like production, personally for me, I like production more because that stuff is like more kind of concrete, I guess. For marketing, kind of you have to like see what works, see what doesn't. And it's like a more iterative cycle. I guess production is the same way, but I feel like it's when you see something in front of you, it's easier to do than numbers, I guess. But I don't, everyone has their different ways to see things. You know, the thing I like about marketing is that if you have a really cool, unique idea, good for you. Like it works and it's uh, going to solve the problem. But with production, I feel like it's a little more analytical at times, which I'm good at, but sometimes I don't like sitting there constantly thinking like, how can we improve this? How can we measure this? And I think the other part of it is I'd enjoy it more if my money wasn't tied to it. And I know that there's places in Los Angeles that produce the same kind of things we do for $4 and that's not including the cost of materials. So if they can do it for $4 and we would sell that same kind of item for $30, there's ways that we can do it. We just need to figure out how to be more efficient about it. Yeah. So what do you think you can squeeze right now? For, is it like in the materials and the labor or kind of like process production a lot of different things yeah there's a lot of things i've thought about and one of the big ones i was working on this last couple of weeks was uh the the organizational systems and i talked about it in one of the episodes how we were handwriting a lot of things well now i have programs that are doing it but my goal is to actually write even better programs because right now we have it so you kind of copy and paste um different orders into the sheet and it'll auto paste out basically what we use to actually make the production. But what would be great is if I could just connect to the API and connect to my website and it just all is 100% automated. And there's lots of things like that where I'd like it to be 100% automated. But specifically with the production, there's a couple of different things that I'd like to do. One of them is we just go to a factory and see what they're doing different than us would be huge, actually. Gotcha. Yeah, in terms of like the actual production, because you've never seen a real production line outside of your living room in the facility. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that we could do. And the problem is a lot of them are expensive to implement. And one of the things specifically is you, you don't pay people per action they do, but basically you keep track of what people do. So if someone cuts uh, a pair of capris, for instance, they, they mark it on their sheet. And what I heard is uh, there's this ticket system where they, get stickers and they take the sticker and they put that I cut this Capri for this order. And what happens is, is they get paid more if they do more stuff. So it's each action's worth, let's say, you know, a dollar or whatever it is. And if at the end of a week they did $600 worth of actions, they make 600 bucks. If they did only 300, they still get paid their salary. But if we see it uh, time and time again that they're underperforming then we know hey we need to get someone better in there so that'd be one thing that we would do for sure but it also has to depend on the quality too right like if you cut 600 really fast but half of them suck yeah no i mean so it's there's a quality minimum if, if you do it without quality and that's another system uh the way that the people in los angeles do it is not quite legal and they'll actually make the people fix it in their off time like make them off the clock the way we would do it is say you know you're you're allowed this many errors and you know pass that 
we'll dock it from the pay, not dock it from the pay, but we'll not pay you extra if you mess up or something. There's way to, there's ways to fix it. Like not, not penalizing, but just rewarding less. Exactly. And there was a really cool Ted talk about how certain kinds of tasks, uh, monetary rewards for doing better work really well. And they don't work really well for creative thinking, but they work really well for physical labor. And what we're doing is it's 100% physical stuff. We don't need people that are there to think. We need people there to because produce. Because it's hard to think better. Like it's a very abstract concept, right? Like think smarter or, or how, right? Or like think faster. The problem is when money's on the line, according to this TED Talk, then you get really focused. And being focused doesn't lead to creative thought. It leads to focused thought. So if your goal is to take uh, you know, 100 books from this side of the table and put them on this side of the table or whatever, then, and I have to say, I'm going to give you $100 if you do it faster than this guy, yeah, you'll do it faster than that guy. But if I say, uh, you know, here's this abstract problem, I'll give you a hundred dollars to the the person that does it the best, the fastest. It's just, it's too, our brains just aren't wired that way. It's a really interesting talk. Yeah. Whereas if it's something repetitive or at least kind of more concrete, you can see in front of you, it does like some, yeah. like you can flip this faster, cut it this angle faster, use this scissor that cuts smooth, smoother, things like that. Or exactly. You'll, you'll whatever. get it done because you get, you also get more energy. I mean, imagine if someone uh, asked you, Hey, can you help me move? And you're probably going to kind of go about it lazy, but they say, Hey, if you move me out in two hours, I'll give you a thousand dollars. You'll move them out in two hours. You know, I mean, that's a weird example, but like, if you help me move in three hours, I'll give you a thousand. If you help me move in two hours, I'll give you 2000 or something. Like yeah. That. And if it's over four hours, you get nothing. Then you're like, hell yeah, let's move right now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So number six, uh, me, uh, build my online store meetups in five cities. So this one kind of goes up to the update we talked about earlier. Uh, since you guys are going to do LA and people were asking me about SF New York. I was like, Hey, why don't we just do this in different cities? Cause I did a quick meetup in Singapore once earlier, April last year uh, with like two people. It was kind of cool, uh, but it wasn't like that big as the LA one, but, was, but this year I've gotten probably what six or seven emails from folks in Singapore. So uh, I'll reach out to you guys again uh, later on. But basically, what every first Sunday of every month, if we can do it in five cities consistently, off the top of my head, uh, London, San Francisco, New York, uh, Singapore, and London. So if you're in any of these five cities listening to this now and you want to meet some other listeners, uh, shoot me an email. Uh, we can see how we can coordinate one. You guys can just meet at a cafe over lunch, something kind of downtown in a convenient place for everyone too. So, uh, but I guess Travis, uh, what else? What else, what else is the takeaway from this meetup? Lots of good ones. I, just do it. I mean, connect with the local people and email us if you, you're interested and you're in a big city because we can connect you with other people for sure. But uh, actually, for anybody in Singapore, I'm gonna be around there like towards the end of February. I don't know if I'll be able to make it to uh, the first Sunday. So if you're in Singapore, email me. I'd love to collaborate a meetup there. Yeah, and these meetups aren't that formal. It's just like you guys find a cafe, um, decide we'll decide on a date and time, and then you give me your host if you want to host it, and then I'll email my whole list and be like, hey, here are the events in each city. If you can go, let me know, and then I can link you guys up in a separate email. Like everyone in Singapore, everyone in LA everyone in San Francisco, things like that. So I think this is kind of cool to get people to meet each other and kind of grow this community bigger than just me and you talking into a microphone. Yeah, you know, actually one big takeaway is be a leader. You know, step up. There's uh, so many people out there that want to connect, but the problem is everybody else wants someone else to do it. And really leading one of these kind of meetups is no work. And the cool thing is if you're the one that's leading it, everyone knows you and you kind of have like a, a good relationship with everybody 
it's a it's a really cool feeling to bring together in my case 14 people so if you're in one of these cities or even in a different city volunteer to, to host it it's all you do is send out an email telling everybody where's the most convenient place for you or where you want to go for food and you'll meet a lot of cool people doing it yeah actually just make it even easier just email me if you want to host one if you're in la san francisco new york singapore london uh find a place that's convenient you think in your city because i don't really know everywhere and then let me know your details and then i'll send the rest and i'll let you know who's going and basically that's it so you just have to raise your hand and then we kind of get this going and it should be pretty cool because i think these things where like my friend john says uh about engineering serendipity and you kind of do this by meeting people putting yourself out there and you know you can sit at home listen to this by yourself but you know what is that going to do if you don't meet other people too. Down oh, absolutely. You never know who you're going to meet. I mean, it, it, I've told this story before, but it kind of brings me back to when I decided to join the mastermind with you. I was like, I don't know if this is going to be a good idea, blah, blah, blah. And now look at it. It's completely changed the course of my life. Now I'm hosting a podcast and doing all this other stuff. So meet some people, have a real conversation, you know, be yeah, social. Exactly. And you met 12 people you never met before in LA which was just kind of crazy too because no one there met each other before it was like the first time I mean you had calls with like Jerry and Jason before right but like just Jerry actually even Jason I mean we talked talked on Skype and it's almost it's cooler to meet people that you've you've talked on I've talked online to these people over and over again and then to actually get to shake their hand uh, shout out to Jerry it was really cool meeting meeting both you guys Jason and Jerry so hopefully we can get this going uh, five cities this year if not more so if you're, once again if you're in London uh, Singapore New York San Francisco LA uh, shoot us an email and uh, Let's do that. All right. So with that being said, we're going to wrap this episode and um, we'll catch up with you guys next week. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at buildmyonlinestore.com. If you got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other. So if this sounds like a cup of tea, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com slash mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.